Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Tracy Conan. Tracy is known as a no-nonsense forensic accountant who delivers the real deal to her clients. Let's face it, when your money is on the line, there is zero time to dance around an issue. Her passion lies in helping people find answers. Answers to questions like, where did our money go? After years of watching those who couldn't justify the cost of a forensic accountant lose thousands of dollars in their divorces, Tracy knew she had to create a solution. That's why she put her heart into creating the Divorce Money Guide. And I am so excited to have you with us today, Tracy. I am looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I never get tired of hearing that intro. And I even got like a little a little teary at she put her heart into the Divorce Money Guide because it's so true. Mm. Well, let's talk, Tracy, about divorce. Are you by any chance a child of divorce? Like, how did you get involved in the divorce zone in your career here? I am not a child of divorce. I have never been divorced myself. And I get asked that a lot. Mm -hmm. But I became a forensic accountant over 25 years ago, almost 30 years ago now. And I, for a while, shied away from divorce work. And probably about 15, 16 years ago, I had someone that I knew professionally who referred someone to me who was getting divorced. And it was an ugly divorce. And there was a lot of money on the line. And I took on the case as a favor to him because he was a trusted colleague. And I didn't want to get involved in divorce previously because of the emotional component to it. And I just didn't want to deal with the mess of it. But I took on this case, got some really great results from my client. And I said, you know what? I actually can deal with this emotional piece of it. And I think that I'm a calming force in these divorces and found that I, I just really liked it. And so that's when I decided that I would take on more divorce cases. Beautiful. Well, let's talk for our audience members who may not know what forensic accounting means. Why don't you tell us how you get started in accounting and numbers? Was was this something that you also did, you know, as a child or did it come later in life? Were you the numbers kid? I was really good with numbers. I loved Encyclopedia Brown books. So I went to a really small school. We had a really tiny library. We had a handful of Encyclopedia Brown books that I read over and over and over and over. But I went to college to get a criminology degree and I wanted to be a prison warden. That was my ultimate career goal. My sophomore year in the criminology program, I took an elective that was only offered once in a while called financial crime investigation. 
And the rest is history. I mean, you see the writing on the wall there. I started taking accounting classes and economics and eventually gathered enough credits that I would be able to sit for the CPA exam and just went headfirst down that path. And it's been great. Well, what inspired you to want to be a prison warden? Like, where did that come from? (laughs) I had always been very fascinated with the criminal justice system. I was big into watching documentaries on prisons. And I was curious always about the social aspect of prison and the communities that are created behind the walls of a prison. But I was also interested in making good changes. Prison is terrible for everyone. It's terrible for the people who are housed there, for the employees who work there, for the victims of the people who are in prisons who maybe feel like this isn't enough justice for me. We've got the issues of, is prison supposed to rehabilitate someone? Is it supposed to punish someone? Is it supposed to protect society? There are all these competing interests at play. And I felt like I really had the heart and the skills to be able to navigate all of that and be a force for change. And I know that that's really, you know, Pollyanna-ish and and idealistic, but that's where I was coming from with it. Well, and it got you to, it was the place that you went to, to get to where you are now. And it's just really interesting, Tracy, there are so many people who choose a certain path and collect like you collected the tools by following that, you know, guidance or calling you collected the tools, but then those tools are now have been transported into working in another area. So let's define for our audience, what exactly does forensic accounting mean? My mom was a bookkeeper, so I know about accounting and debits right. and credits. And she taught me how to do the debits and credits in the big green book when I was like eight years old. So, but forensic accounting is a little bit different. So could you define that for us? I do fraud investigations. In lay terms, I just say I find money. So if there is a complicated money situation and someone needs to unravel that, that's me. More specifically, A lot of times what I'm doing is tracing money through multiple bank accounts to figure out where the money went. Is there any money missing? Is it all accounted for? So on the corporate side, I get involved in executive stealing money or manipulating the financial statements and accounting records. I also do stuff on the personal side. It might involve inheritances. It might involve divorce. Some of it is criminal defense work. So someone is accused of you know, masterminding a Ponzi scheme and they are charged criminally by the federal government. I will help defend them, sort out what actually happened with the money. Because I always say, if you're going to be punished, you ought to be punished for exactly what the crime was. And so they need an expert to go through the numbers that the government has gone through and see, is it correct? Things like that. Interesting. All right. So let's talk about where your heart is now, which is in the divorce money guide. You mentioned earlier that you got asked by somebody to take on a divorce case. And now all of a sudden you are lit up to bring the divorce money guide to, I think you mentioned in the green room, at least a thousand people a year. So let's talk about the divorce money guide and about how forensic accounting, like what kinds of divorces, maybe that's where I'm going to start the question. What kinds of divorces would somebody consider hiring a forensic accountant for? 
A forensic accountant is a great option for divorces where there is a lot of money on the line, complicated financial situations. It's expensive, ten dollars to $15,000 to start with a forensic accountant. So for the average divorce, it's not cost-effective to do that. So I've been doing probably three or four divorces a year for the last 15 years or so. They're typically for wealthy people. That was all fine and well, but about a year ago, I got the idea to help people who are in average divorces, you know, middle-class type of people who don't necessarily have complicated financial situations, but they have concerns about what has been going on with the money because they're not going to hire a forensic accountant. They don't have those complicated types of needs, but they have questions. And where do they turn to get them answered? Many times their attorneys are saying, well, if you don't want to hire a forensic accountant, there's really nothing we can do about your concerns, your suspicions, et cetera. So I said, why can't I make something for those average people? And yes, I put a very specific number to it. I said, I want to help a thousand women a year have better financial outcomes in their divorces. And how do they get better financial outcomes? It's by having information about what has happened to their money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, you know, we actually, I think, are of the generation where we were basically the first generation that took real interest in money and our money and you know the generations before us women didn't even have couldn't even have a checking account until the mid 60s right and they so, needed permission at some point to have a credit card yes up until the mid 70s you needed permission from your husband to have a credit card so it, we are in a time where things are changing and women are becoming more empowered around money can you talk a little bit about the cost of not paying attention to or investigating or educating yourself, maybe using the divorce money guide? What do you think is the cost of not accessing this information for the average middle class person who's not, you know, got $25,000 to give to a forensic accountant just to figure out where the six billion went? I would say the cost is easily five to $15,000. I see people using my tools and coming up with, oh my gosh, here's $5,000 that was spent on X that I had no idea. And I would have never agreed to that. That should never have happened. Or here's $7,000 that was transferred to a bank account that I never knew about. Right. And so you know, on the low end, we're talking five to $15,000 can easily be found. But Non-monetarily, the cost of not doing this is you never know. You can walk away from your divorce saying, but what if, what if? And I can't tell you how many women I have had say to me, I wish there was something like this when I was getting divorced because I always wondered, was I leaving money on the table? What was there that my husband never wanted me to know about? Yeah. So that is such a fascinating piece there, Tracy, that I hadn't thought of, but now that you have illuminated that, that makes perfect sense that, you know, I've been through two divorces. I have two husbands <laughs> and I was the one that was like, I was in charge of the money because my mom was a bookkeeper and taught me about handling money because she had been single through the fifties and raising my half brother. And so she had to be financially on top of things. And so that got passed on to me. Thanks, mom. And I think many women end up in a divorce situation, oftentimes because they have 
a knowing, like an internal knowing mm-hmm. that there's something not right. And so what I'm hearing you say is when a woman gets educated and uses the tool that you have created, the divorce money guide, they can actually affirm their own knowing rather right. than questioning, constantly questioning their their intuition. Right. And so I, I see people, you know, even doing just a little bit of due diligence, let's say they don't have it in them to go all the way through a process and dig into every single thing. For some women, for example, just getting their hands on the bank statements and the tax returns, which is one of the things that as simple as it sounds to me, the accountant, for people who have not been involved with the money, it sounds intimidating. Get your tax returns, get your bank statements. Sometimes just getting those papers in their hands is enough for them, believe it or not. It's just because now they have some control back. They could look at them. They could go through them. They may choose not to, but having the information accessible to them is a huge step for so many. Yeah. Well, and part of getting that information is having to have, you know, build up the courage to say, I would like this information (laughs) and asking for it, which is another piece of you know, going through the divorce process. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about where you can find out more about Tracy and the Divorce Money Guide. But right now, Weekly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show, please consider joining our community, making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com and sharing with your lovely lady friends that might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners in, I think we're going to do the P's for prosperity, Philippines, Pakistan, and Poland. And we will be right back with Tracy Conan. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design? A life that is an extraordinary work of art. Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Tracy Conan. Before we went to the break, I told you I'd let you know where you can find out more about her. She's got something special set up for us at fraudcoach.com forward slash wicked. Fraudcoach.com forward slash wicked. And we will have that for you in the show notes. Tracy, tell our listeners what they're going to find when they get there. 
when they get there, they are going to find a page, especially for them, that has some of the resources that we're talking about today. So it's got a little bit about the Divorce Money Guide. It talks about my new book that recently came out called Find Me the Money. And there's an assessment there. So if you are listening to this and you are wondering if there are signs that you're seeing in your marriage about the money that should have you concerned, you can take the assessment. It's a little three-minute quiz about some of the things you might've seen, how you and your spouse manage the money. And I will tell you, are you at high risk for financial fraud in your marriage or not? Ooh, well, ladies, you definitely want to check that out. So I want to ask you when, like when should a woman start asking for this stuff? Maybe before she even gets married. (laughs) But, you know, like when do you think is the optimal time for a woman to start thinking about these things, to take these assessments, to start asking for the data? You're absolutely right that if it's possible before you get married to start communicating about what are the expectations about money, what access do each of us have to the information about the money. Now, you were in a position where you were in charge of the money in your marriage, but I will tell you in the majority of marriages, the men are still in charge of the money and the information surrounding the money. So if on the front end of the marriage, you can set that up so that you have access to the information and you are having ongoing conversations. Fantastic. I bet a lot of our listeners are in a position where they've been married for a number of years and the system is sort of already set up. And if your husband is controlling the information, controlling the money, and now you say, gosh, I would really like to know more. How are you going to do that? One of the ways that I recommend is a simple conversation of, I'm concerned. What if something would happen to you? What if you were in a car accident, you ended up in a coma, or God forbid, you had a heart attack and died. The last thing I want to be doing is trying to figure out where our money is and whether our bills are going to be paid. I'd like to start understanding now where our accounts are, how much money we have in them, how the bills are being paid, what's on auto pay, what's not. It's a very non-confrontational way to start getting access to some information. Well, and I would imagine that it's also a way that if you start asking those questions, any red flags are going to you start. You read to my pop. mind. <laughs> you read my mind. I was hoping you were going to say that because that's just it. If you start getting pushback, I, I will say a common response is, oh, you don't have to worry about it. I've got it taken care of. Or don't worry, our financial planner will step in if something happens to me and will show you all the things. And then the answer is you've got to push back a little bit to it and say, I appreciate that you have set this up with a financial planner and I trust that he's going to help me. But if I had some information now, I'd feel so much better. Can I meet the financial planner now? Can we talk about what's going on? If you still receive significant pushback, You should be concerned because I always say, he who has nothing to hide, hides nothing. Mm. Yeah. Well, and so I would also imagine a couple of things. Some of our listeners may be saying to themselves, but I'm not good with the numbers. Right. You don't have to be. Right. 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 So, so I want to just like really reinforce that for our listeners If you have always said to yourself, but I'm not good with the numbers, either because you're culturally or societally or familially conditioned to believe you're not good with the numbers, 
what Tracy is saying here is you don't need to be good with the numbers, but what you do need is to have the data, the information, like where are the accounts? Where is the money? Who is the financial planner? What is his or her telephone number, right. et cetera, et cetera. It's not so much about needing to manage the numbers yourself as it is having access to and feeling confident that all the data is being shared. Right, exactly. And I don't discount the fact that there are marriages where this is going to be really difficult for you to ask for this information. You may be in a financially controlling situation, an emotionally abusive situation, maybe physically abusive. And so the concept of asking for this stuff in some of those situations is really, really hard. And so I'm not discounting that that might be difficult for you, but I would say for you know, for people who don't have those concerns, it shouldn't be that difficult of a conversation. And you don't have to plan to go through all of these documents with a fine tooth comb on your own. Just get them. That's step number one. Right. And I would also imagine, because I'm, I'm good at imagining, that sometimes in a situation, you might get the response when you've asked, oh, sure, we can sit down and do that in a few weeks, like mm -hmm. the delay. So right. how long do you tolerate the delay, Tracy, before you have to take it to the next level and, you know, set a date certain for getting the data? You know, I would kind of poke at it a little bit and say, that's great. I love that we're going to do that. Could I get the login information to the online banking so I could just go take a look in the meantime? See how that goes over? Here's another thing. One of the things that happens a lot when people have contentious financial situations, when they're maybe considering divorce as a couple, they're entering into the divorce process. I often see one spouse likes to hold tax returns hostage and you can get those tax returns on your own from the IRS without your spouse there, as long if you filed a joint tax return. And so I teach people how to do that kind of stuff. And so there are things you can do on your own that you don't even need your spouse's consent for. So if, if, if there are delay tactics, I would say start taking steps to get information on your own. Yeah, beautiful. All right. So in the last few minutes that we have, Tracy, I'd love to have you share with us what inspired you to make this information available to a thousand, like where's the calling coming from for that? And talk a little bit more about the divorce money guide and what people are going to find when they get there. I was very bothered by seeing women in particular getting the short end of the stick in their divorces financially. When you are getting divorced, you have one shot at getting a good settlement in that divorce. And I watch these divorces over and over happen where women are getting lowballed on, well, I'll give you a small percentage of the equity in the house, or I'll give you, a, I'm not giving you anything of my retirement account, things like this. And I also was seeing, you know, situations where women were not knowing what their assets were, and there probably were things hidden. And I wanted to make it accessible to them, to make forensic accounting accessible to them without having to hire someone like me. And so that was totally the inspiration is how could I help the most number of women? What kind of tool could I create that would walk someone through this stuff? Because 
For most divorces, it's not complicated. If your husband's hiding money, I can tell you the top five places where he's going to hide it. And it's going to cover probably 90% of divorces. You're going to find what's been hidden. They're not that sneaky or tricky. They use the same old tricks. In fact, they don't even hide the stuff all that well, because in most of these cases, the wife hasn't been looking at the finances. So the guys aren't like being tricky about it because they're like, ah, she'll never look. Right. Well, do you want to share with us the top five places I where mean, they I'll might hide the money? <laughs> well, I'll share a few of them with you. Great. The one top two. Is, How about we have the top two places where they hide? The top two things that they do is they have the secret credit card. So yeah, I teach you I how to find the secret credit card. <laughs> Absolutely. And the other top one is they use cash. So you might start to see your husband going to the ATM when he didn't before. You know, if you're like me, I go to the ATM maybe once a month, if that, just for a little bit of walking around money, but I use my debit card or my credit card for everything else. If you're in a scenario like that, where that's what you and your spouse do, but all of a sudden at some point, he started visiting the ATM weekly, multiple times a week, or he was going into a bank branch, withdrawing money there. Like I was just talking with a client this morning, her husband was going into the bank branch, withdrawing $9,900 at a time. Why was he withdrawing $9,900 at a time? Well, because if he withdrew $10,000 cash, the bank has to make a report to the federal government about cash activity. But at $9,900, they don't have to. All these little sneaky things. Mm. Well, and so, what you know, you're the fraud coach. They are essentially defrauding their soon-to-be ex-spouse, correct? Yes. Where are these guys often, do you find, spending the money? Is it addictions? Is it the other woman? Is it, you know, those are the two I can think of addictions and the other woman, right? So it's addictions, the other woman or hiding it in a secret account because they know they're going to get divorced at some point and they want to accumulate money. Yes. That they don't have to divide. Mm -hmm. All right. Beautiful. Well, in the last couple of minutes that we have, Tracy, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners that would inspire them to go to your site and access the data and do the assessment? You know, it's just, for me, it is about, I want you to be empowered and have information in your hands. Again, you don't necessarily have to plan on going through all that information, but I want you to take control of what's going on in your divorce and not be afraid when you're hearing the things like, I'm going to take the house away from you. You're not going to get a dime of that retirement account. It's not true. It's not how the laws work. But the secret to getting your part of those assets is having the information, those pieces of paper that you and your attorney can put in front of that judge's face and say, judge, look here, he transferred $10,000 to this account that we never knew existed. You have to have the proof. And that's what I want to help empower you to get. Beautiful. I love your enthusiasm. I love your intelligence. You're definitely wickedly smart. And I love your passion for helping women who would not necessarily have access to a forensic accountant to help them through their processing, whether or not it's time to say goodbye to the guy that they probably should have talked about money with before they married him. (laughs) Right. All right. So listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's episode. I want you to go right now to www.wickedlysmartwomen.com to join our community, share your takeaways, ask questions, or submit guest suggestions 
Also be sure to go to fraudcoach.com forward slash wicked and access the info that is there. Get the book, find me the money, take the assessment. Sooner is always better than later. So yes. don't delay. Don't delay. If if you've got that little tingle that you even slightly suspect you may be heading towards a divorce, now is the time to start asking for the data. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.